Welcome to uh, Digital Calm number something or another. 40, four yeah. zero. Four zero. Yeah, we yeah. have been doing this now for well over a year. So we've done 40 episodes of Digital Calm and we did, I think it was 28 of the Wisdom Experience before this. So we have been podcasting for quite some time. Yeah, we got a lot of we got a lot of episodes under our belt. A lot of content so good. Yeah, for people to dive into. Yeah, you can always go check out the back catalogue if you like as well. There's lots of stuff there. Absolutely. Lots of stuff. But here we are. Here we are for a, another episode of some conversation and some enlightenment, maybe uh, some shifting of perspectives and the like, maybe. And all the rest of it that might go along with uh, chatting and listening to some groovy tunes as well. I got another moon song for you in here as well. <gasps> Have you? you know, it's yeah. full moon this week, full moon tomorrow. Is it? Yeah. Uh, yeah, sometime afternoon. I I'm think, not going to play it London. straight away, but uh, there's one in the playlist. That's called, exciting. It's called Moon Sequence mm, mm. by the Herbalizers. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so. As uh, as as I'm prone to do, what have you been up to uh, this week? And well, I've written down, so I can't believe you write things down to say, what am I going to say to him? <laughs> don't. That's the whole point. Right. So I don't write, write them down normally. And then what happens and is you ask them. me and I kind of forget them, but then I also kind of feel like I rabbit on and I'm not sure that that's of value to anybody listening. So I thought, right, this week, I'm going to write down the re- most important thing that I want to share that I think will be of value to people. And of course, I've written that down somewhere and I don't know what I've done with it. So instead, I'll tell you what I did this weekend because I had an absolutely jam-packed, rocking weekend. And it kind of involved a whole variety of things, all of the, if I say the standard things, some people might call them mundane. It depends on how you feel about your shopping. Um, But food shopping, I should say, not anything more exciting than that. But the other things that I did was I did another um, of my introduction to practical philosophy courses with the School of Philosophy and Economic Science. And I've got to say, week three, and it's absolutely banging. It's really, really good. What was the topic this week? This week, we were talking about levels of awareness. Now, in fact, you and I have talked about this on a previous episode. Don't ask me which one. I don't know those off the top of my head. Um, But yeah, the difference, essentially states of awareness that you can be in. And that was really good, really good. And what I really love about the school's course is that we have these amazing conversations. We ask questions And I love seeing all the light bulbs go off for everybody individually. Um, And of course, it's the same thing that you and I do generally in our day-to-day work, but it's so nice to actually be part of that kind of as a purely as a learner. Um, Yeah, I think it's good. If anybody's um, interested in stuff like that too, I think I've mentioned on here several times, there's a a Socrates cafes that are run across the world actually. Um, and it's essentially that there's a, you know, people gather in cafes or restaurants. I used to go to one in Limington. Actually, I ran one in Limington and used to go to one in rugby. But yeah, you come with a list of topics and you 
Everybody grab the coffee and you have a great conversation talking about and exploring a particular one. So there's those, and then there's the world cafes, which it's not necessarily geared so much towards philosophy in quotation marks as it is about just having conversations with different groups of people. But same thing kind of happens. But yeah, Socrates cafes started by a guy named Phil uh, Lepote or something like that, um, and he wanted to, you know make philosophy accessible again. Um, and so you learn the Socratic method, which is essentially asking questions, um, to explore your thinking and to get deep into it, to question why you believe what you believe and is it valid or something like that. But yes, using Lovely. the Socratic method, which is essentially a handful of questions that you're asking to interrogate your thinking. So interrogate your thinking, but actually to interrogate your interaction with the world, really, isn't it? To interrogate your experience of daily life. Yeah, and why you why you do what you do and why you believe what you believe. Yeah, nice. And what about you? What have you been up to this week? What the heck have I been up to? I've been a scrambling madman of a being. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, doing my, my normal stuff, delivering stuff, making stuff, um, lots of conversations. I'm involved in the whole sort of swell thing. Um, I was featured on the vo voiceover, it was called, uh, and the question was around uh, democracy. Is it f democracy or, or your heart? Uh, are they failing? if at all, or something like that. Basic was democracy in your heart, which one is failing, if at all? That was the question. Um, which kind of begs the question that we're assuming that they're separate and different, which they may we, not be. They might not be, but that's why you answer the question. So that's Ooh, the question. That's why it says, if, if at all. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so that was good. That was interesting um, to be a part of that. Uh, and then just other creative endeavors, really making stuff like a madman um, creating content that's what we call it in the business isn't it we create content yeah maybe or creating art um mm. well yeah um i lean towards the art side content is very marketing uh well you taught me that <laughs> i know but i mean that's what it is i mean that's what, that's that's what that's what people call it on that side of the world um and then, you know, there is that debate around, you know, are you creating content? Are you creating art? I don't know. So it depends. If you're talking to artists, so say they're making art, you talk to a marketeer, say so you're making content. Uh, and then some people um, just go with the lingo of the day, which mm. people call it content. <laughs> I mean, and it I is technically content, but. Yeah, exactly. I suppose, I mean, you could say it's artful content, but that's that's the point, isn't it? An artist, you, you, I mean, you do talk about this a lot, both to me personally, but also, you know, when we're talking here and with other people. So we're creating content for people to engage with and interact with. And so we are. But equally, would we do this if nobody's listening? Well, yes. So therefore. Yeah, if you have your marketing hat on you, and you're just creating content, that's one thing. If you are creating a body of work, um, so, for, so for me, my approach to social media um, isn't social media. 
um, which is why you don't see me necessarily making broadcast type posts. Um, I think my approach to social media is it, it's a it's an extenuation of my body of work, my writing, my audio story making, uh, my photography is all a part of a body of work. Um, so if you kind of float your way through that, it's a it's a an extended narrative, as it were. Um, so that's how I I I approach it. Nice for the most part, yeah. Anyway, I don't think that's our topic tonight. It is not, no. So once again, we've had a very lengthy intro, but we have covered a variety of things there, which hopefully have sparked people's minds. It's almost like a, a limbo or a, a limbering up, a warm up. Wow. Like if you were having an exercise, you've still got to flex those muscles, spark yeah. those neurons. And in the in the spirit of the business, again, you know, I don't know. I don't know if you listen to podcasts, but uh I think part of part of the I don't know what do you call it, is a lexicon part of the what's the thing if you say a model part of depending on the types of podcasts you listen to, if you listen to conversational podcasts it is about it's as much about the relationship of listening to the talkers talk um, as if you were sitting next on the table next to them uh, you wouldn't you know yeah you would be having a conversation so I think people enjoy at least feedback that I've, you know, that I get and have gotten, uh, is it feels like I'm sitting on the table next to you and listening in on the conversation, basically. Which, um, as we know, for anybody who's listening to this regularly, is exactly what we wanted to create this for. You know, I was wanting that dinner party set up. You want to sit around the campfire or go down the pub. I'm happy to join you yeah. around the campfire. Not so much down the Hence pub these we days. can have an ambling into the conversation that we're going to have exactly uh, a transition from because it the is daily that world kind of a podcast uh, <laughs> it's a conversational podcast and it's not an interview podcast nor is it a um a guru podcast definitely not yeah. definitely not we're just too i'm not sure normal is the right word but we're just two yeah, well, fifty. We're two normal. people in our 50s. I ain't um, normal. Having a chat. No, you're definitely not normal. Yeah. Okay. So, so anyway, conversation <laughs> this week. We'll introduce it and then we'll um, bring in a, a, a tune. Okay. Um, so our question this week is. Why? why is, go ahead. I was So why is. You the know, I had to cut that out last time because you did that. What? You I turned away. Big, no, you made this big spike. And oh, said the I? same oh, words that I did. <laughs> you did, because it was really loud. I was like, ah, oh. so I had to edit that out, but you probably didn't notice it, or you probably didn't listen to the episode, but I had to cut that little bit out. But go ahead. What is the question? I'm sorry. I never no. like to give you extra work. Yeah. So why is the comfort zone so comfortable? And do we need to leave our comfort zone? Why or why not? That's the... Perfect. The, the full up of that sort of conversation. So... Have a think about that, um, and then I'm, I'm going to play. Uh, it's a new tune, and I just came across this uh, this week in the sort of new tunes directory or playlist that comes out. Uh, it's a new one by Wax Taylor, who's a a frequent artist on this show. Uh, it was with him and DJ Fly. It's called "Fear of a Blind Planet." Oh, what is this? Hold on, hold on. See, all this talking, and I haven't even got a set up to be able to actually play music yet. So, um, 
Yeah. So go ahead, talk now. <laughs> Which is hilarious because I was being, after you told me that I'd spiked, I felt a bit guilty. So I actually turned my microphone off already Why? for no. the music so I wasn't affecting anything. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> that was, you've never done that before. We said the same thing at the same time and we both said it really loud. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... Sometimes sounded, we just get excited, don't we? It sounded kind of weird, which is why I ended up editing it out. But now I need to find, I got so many chords here. I got to find the right chord. Oh, here it is. There's the chord. Okay. Well, whilst you're doing that, then I'm going to, are you ready? Are you? Okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I thought I would just, you know, kind of riff, but that's Fear fine. Riff, but no rift. And here <laughs> we go. Fear of the Blind Planet. That's a little wax tailor. And uh, DJ Fly, I dig that song. That's a new one. That's a brand new tune. So oh. I was jamming that. And we sound good on the radio. I was listening to the radio streamer. So listen, people, if you, we, I might start doing that if you want to uh, listen to this live on the time that we do it. And you can tweet us if you want to interact. Uh, but you can listen on waxradio.com um, to get the live version of this thing as it's happening in motion um and then the other thing is i was just talking about wax taylor wasn't i but oh i was might as well throw in a commercial for um uh i'm hearing voices (laughs) that's throwing me off i don't know that's people yeah, there's people in the house. It's, I was to say, it's at your end, because for yeah. once, it's silent at my end. Yeah, no, it's, it's my daughter's just come in. Um, so, yes, anyway, you can listen to the show on Mixcloud. That's the full, fat version of uh, Digital Comms, the music and the talk. Uh, great platform, uh, Mixcloud, so check it out for the full, fat version. Okay, so there we go. There's the question. I've thrown it out there. What is? Why is the comfort zone so comfortable? What's your What's your take on this whole comfort zone thing? Mm. And it's funny because actually that bit of the question is almost the bit I've thought the least about. So why is the comfort zone most comfortable? Um, I think, you know, the comfort zone is comfortable because guess what? We're used to it. Uh, we've probably naturally migrated to things perhaps that we're good at, which generally links with things that we enjoy um, or we've been doing things for so long that we're just kind of used to it. And that's when people start to stagnate or get stale or get stuck. But I do believe there is value in the comfort zone and knowing what your comfort zone is. Um, but it's finding the balance between that and that which is not. Great. And do you know when the comfort zone first came into the lexicon of uh, of our minds and who introduced that term to us? I do not, but oh. this is your skill. So fire away. Come on, the comfort yeah, zone. When so did it start? It was... Um, it was brought into space by a lady named Judith Bardick. Uh, and she was uh, one of these management consultant things. Um, she was a management thinker, basically. And she wrote a book called Danger in the Comfort Zone. So that's when we started using the phrase of Leo One's comfort zone. And how she defined comfort zone from a psychological point of view is that the comfort zone is a behavioral state within which a person operates in an anxiety neutral condition using a limited set of behaviors to deliver 
to the to deliver a steady level of performance, usually without a sense of risk. So that's the lady that invented the term in quotation marks of comfort zone uh, from a management point of view, and it's about performance and your levels of performance and um, and the like. Mm. And when yeah. was that roughly? That was 1990s, it oh, was. okay. So actually yeah. quite late. I was expecting it to be before then. No, um. but there were some cats in 1907, Robert Yerkes and John Dodson. Um, but they didn't call it the comfort zone. They were just doing experiments between the link between anxiety and performance. So she's just given it a name. They were doing that. So she's given a name for anxiety and performance and the limit on one or the hindrance of one to the other. Um, they were doing experiments on it in relationship to how anxiety affects um, a person's uh, performance. Both that's from a, yeah, go ahead. I would say, well, that's quite interesting because actually, you, you, you know, if you think of anxiety on a continuum, as it were, um, actually, when sort of anxiety starts almost, you're anxious to perform well. Now, you know, these days we talk much more about anxiety as a, a particular state of being. But of course, actually, before you get to that um, state of, of what we might term maybe classify medical anxiety, there's that anxiety or that anxiousness to perform you know, to the best that you can, or there's that anxiousness about something that's going to happen, but that's not the the state of anxiety that prevents you from doing anything. So, well, I think to say in here depends. So, I mean, we'll talk later, but we won't talk now. I mean, there are there is a um, okay, both scientists and from that point of view, but there is a point where anxiety becomes inhibiting, mm-hmm. which is um, now what we would term medical anxiety, yeah. as it were. Yeah, That's well, these guys were, I guess they were psychologists, but you mean like medical as in doc, like as in, as in the hospital. Clinical. That's Clinical. the word I'm looking That's for. Sorry. Looking for, yeah. But exactly. And, and these days, you know, if you think about it, we talk a lot about clinical anxiety and people, you know, diagnose so it, anxiety uh, and depression. Ex- extreme versions of anxiety. Cause it, yeah, cause I think what they're talking about here is that on its extreme end, of anxiety, you become paralyzed, basically. You freeze, mm, you don't. Absolutely. You can't do your thing. No, um, no, absolutely. Which is why it was interesting to hear you say, um, so behavioral state within which someone operates within a set of behaviors, usually without risk. Um, but actually, you know, if, if you take anxiety to its eventual conclusion, if you carry on down that road, then in fact, there is a risk because you will stop performing. Um so that's kind of interesting. Yeah, I like that. Well, I don't like it, but I find it interesting. Yeah, and so the reason we stay in our comfort zone is to be anxiety neutral. Is um, This is what Judith was at. So I don't want to take risk, so I stay in the comfort zone because there's it's anxiety neutral. But um, eventually that itself could cause anxiety because staying it, in the comfort zone. Yeah, I guess if you have FOMO, if you have FOMO, fear of missing out, and you think, oh, I'm being left behind or I'm missing out, it can cause that kind of anxiety. But in and of itself, 
you stay in it because it doesn't cause any anxiety unless you start looking at it and saying, I'm not getting this, I'm not getting that. So if we go to some of our other conversations, if you start looking out at other people and saying, how come my life isn't like their life? Um, how come I don't have these things? And you start lacking things and that might cause you some more um, mental anguish if you're in that space. But I know people who love their comfort zone. They don't come out of their comfort zone, don't see any reason to come out of their comfort zone, not interested in uh, other people's measurements of performance. Um, and I used to call that the Homer Simpson principle. You know, I'll come home, drink my Duff beer, go to work, do the same job. I might complain about it, but ain't interested in changing it. And, you know, as long as, as, long as I can come home and drink my Duff beer hmm. and sit on the couch and watch TV, I'm good. Um, and in fact, you're kind of a fool if you're trying to do something other than that. Um, so, yeah, there's some people who, whom the comfort zone is a natural state of being and they're quite happy with it, um, which is, yeah, I guess and sometimes <laughs> to each his own, as it were. <laughs> um, but as uh, um, Judith, can I call her Judith? I don't know. She's not my friend. <laughs> <laughs> I'll call it Judith anyway, but as because the comfort zone or the idea of the comfort zone was aimed at this idea of you know, it was management speak basically, mm. and so it was about performance, um, and so the whole idea here was um, is a, a zone. So you go from comfort zone, fear zone, learning zone to growth zone. So from her model, um, you stay in a comfort zone to feel safe and in control. Um, but the moment you step out of the comfort zone is when you start to be affected by other people's opinions. Um, you start to feel this fear. You have lack of confidence. You find excuses not to do the new thing um, in the fear zone. And then at some point you move into the learning zone, hopefully, and then you start to deal with the challenge or the problem. You start to acquire new skills, and so now you've extended your comfort zone to a new place, this learning zone. And then the final zone is the growth zone where you then find purpose, live your dreams, set new goals, that sort of thing. And then a new comfort zone is established once you stay in the growth zone for too long. And I think you just keep this uh, pattern going. So, um, yeah, that that's how the model that she put forth in terms of leaving the comfort zone and the the reasons why to do it and it's linked to performance uh, and the like. So it's in my, I mean, it's something that I actually quite often describe when I'm talking about well-being, but it's, it's personal growth, personal development, and it's like a helter-skelter. So it's it's circular, but it's not the same. You're not going back into the same comfort zone unless, yeah, exactly. You're into a new one, but it's it's kind of that constant upwards motion. And in fact, actually, in, when we talk about well-being, which we're going to talk about next week, um, you know, we quite often talk about looking at, at kind of your own personal growth and development as like peeling the layers off an onion. And that's kind of peeling it off and kind of going into your center, into your core what I'm hearing is this is more like a helter-skelter, but a kind of a reverse helter-skelter. And when you say um, helter-skelter, really, because yeah, only helter-skelter I know is the one that killed lots of people in California. 
Mm, okay, I don't know, might have done. Um, but yeah, so helter skelter. So it's really funny because I think of it um, actually from um, from the Beatles and from a song and a, a piano book that I had, which I'm sure had a helter skelter on the front. Um, so helter skelter, it is a like a playground or a fairground ride. So it's like a curly whirly slide. But you obviously start at the top and you'd go down. Okay. Reverse helter skelter is kind of going up, and I do that because I think of personal development and self-growth. As so Helter Skelter says awkward. involving disorderly haste or confusion. Confusion. Because you're going down at speed. You're going uh, round and down at speed. So you are disorientated because you're like, whoa, you know, your body is and your uh, body is going in one direction. You can't stop it. Once you start, you you're you're off. So I guess I wouldn't see this thing as a helter skelter then. No, I'm saying it's a reverse yeah. helter skelter. Reverse one, gotcha. So it's not a it's not a circle. It's like, um, and people who kind of cut out spirals or circles when they were doing crafts when they were probably younger, and then you kind of you pull it out, and I can see this so clearly in my mind's eye, and I don't yeah. think I'm necessarily explaining. Yeah, probably not, that but well. her model is circle. So her models are not concentric circles, but there's. A circle, the smaller one, which is the comfort zone, but they do touch. They have a, they have one tangent point in conjunction. So if I was drawing this out, I would draw a smaller circle, comfort zone, then a larger uh, one that encompasses the comfort comfort zone, which is the fear zone, then another one, but starting from the same uh, point, the circle, and just draw them out. So she has four circles basically, a, a giant one. And then these other ones inside of it, but they okay. all touch at a tangent point um, called the comfort zone. And then so you've that's, got, that sounds yeah. interesting. That sounds interesting. Yes, I shall look that up after yeah. we finish recording. I was thinking about drawing it on my whiteboard, but I've been writing so many notes on my whiteboard, there isn't space. <laughs> nice one. Um, all right. Yeah, let's, uh, let's go for a song. Zero Seven, again, another favourite of the... Um, podcast but this is them teamed up with Moses and this one is called uh this is this world and we're back back into the room <laughs> um so a point that you made uh, uh somewhere ago in there is that everyone's comfort zones are different so these circles we've drawn your circles People, everyone's circle is going to vary in size. Um, and in order to move through the comfort zone, through the growth zone, you have to have some level of self-awareness. So you need to understand and appreciate what your outer limits of your uh, comfort zone is and when does it move into the panic zone and knowing where that line is. Um, and then there's something about, again, remembering that you can acquire skills so that you mitigate the panic and then you start to learn some skills. And then the thing that was causing you this discomfort, this panic, um, you get to a mastery and it becomes another comfort zone after you master it because you got to keep going, <laughs> mm. maybe. But anyway, well, I think the point was that they, it, you know, it varies for everyone. 
mm. um, in terms of the size of your comfort zone, what they might be. Yeah, and it's it's not just that it varies for everybody, but it's also that it can vary for you at different times in your life. Now, actually, this links with what we've talked about last week uh, about being and becoming. Um, I actually think it probably goes back to a few episodes before that as well, when we were talking about identity and behavior. Um, but it also very much links with what we're going to talk about next week as well and, and well-being. So it all yeah, works. different. It does. It does, of course, because this is all about self-development and self-development in our humans. world is perpetual. Yeah. And lifelong. It's all about being human. It is all about being human and different circumstances at different times. You know, there's lots of things when you, you know, we talk about, well, actually, um, the most stressful things that people can do are things like moving house, buying a house, you know, getting married, having a baby, all of that kind of stuff. And, you know, it's interesting how so many of those happen all at once or in the same couple of years for so many people when they're in their 20s and 30s. Um, and then, and you can cope with it or you think, you know, you, you can cope with it better. Whereas actually, once you get into your 50s, if you suddenly had to do all of that in a, a six or 12 month period, yeah, it's going to be quite challenging. It may be. I think that comes back to philosophy of life again. It depends on how you view life, I think, in all of those um, things that you're describing. Yeah, and 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 I can see that that definitely that that has validity. But actually, I would also say that you know, for many. When have people, you ever known me to be stressed? Well, yes. <laughs> However, uh, you have you you are unusual. You said it before. You're not normal. Yeah, um, there's more people like me. I'm sure. I don't think there's that many people like you. To be yeah, honest, yeah, there's more of us um, out there. But I think there's a lot of people who, uh, you know, are going through things and actually, you know, it takes it out of you. And we can talk about that from a physiological point of view, from a mental point of view, but it, it's, it's hard to cope with all of those things. And it's hard to let go maybe of, of things because you'd got into patterns with them the older you get and you need to let go of those patterns to embrace something new, but actually it's so ingrained, that's quite a challenge. Well, I don't know. I was just thinking of Carol and Dwecker's stuff. Is it Dweck? Dwecker? When Dweck. she talks about growth mindset, mindset versus fixed mindset. Um, I think people who have a natural growth mindset probably cope with those types of things uh, a little bit easier than others. And then I think if you have, I mean, like you just take, um, I don't know, some of your sort of um, your um, sort of Muslim and Arabic kind of cultures where everything is the will of God, for instance. Um, then again, you have a different outlet that doesn't make those things. You're able to say, hey, <laughs> you know, it is what it is or, you know, an Allah or whatever, but it, it doesn't build up because you don't let it, you don't turn it inwards and hang on to it and make it hard. You just no. accept that it is what it is and you kind of carry on. But yes. I, You've I surrendered mean, it to a higher power or to, yeah, to something outside of yourself. I think that's what I mean. Yeah, I guess yeah, what I'm trying to say, it depends on people's mindsets and their approach. Because I know people, you know, well, my daughter's the other way. And she takes everything to heart and she gets really stressed and she's like crazy. And uh, and then her brother's the complete opposite. 
nothing seems to phase him because his approach or his thinking is, well, you know, it is what it is and let's just carry on and do the next thing. Um, but they have totally opposite approaches to things um, from that point of view. So I think that wholly depends on your outlook. However you derive that, that outlook, I think it depends on that. Hmm. So I think it depends partly on your outlook, yeah. but, um, you know, and I, I mean, I, obviously you just mentioned um, Deb and your son, he takes after his dad. As you say, you don't get frazzled, you don't get burned out. Your daughter sounds much more like me. So I've always had a growth mindset. I've always had a uh, an optimistic outlook, but actually I've had so many years of, of firefighting and dealing with things that were external that eventually it, it wore me down. But um, I think everybody does. I mean, I, I can't say that I haven't had any external stuff. I don't internalize the external stuff. No. Is what is, is I guess, probably me and my son's approach is like, okay, well, shit's going to hell in the handbasket. Okay, well, it's going to hell in the handbasket. And what am I going to do about it, kind of? Or I'll just, you know, I, I had a saying for the longest time that I use, it'll all come out in the wash. So, mm. yep, life sucks, and I'm at my bottom lowest point, and it doesn't look like things are going to can get any worse. Um, but you know what? It all works out in the wash. <laughs> and it's, I think yeah. that's something that you come to. I mean, you've obviously had it for, a lo for the longest time, as you said. But I also think for many people, that's something that they start to be aware of with age. Yeah, mine uh, was you know. when I was at, just out of in my 20s. <laughs> just out of diapers. Yeah. Now, I had a point, and, and I said, as I said, I remember, I remember distinctly when I had that little epiphany um, and I remember exactly where I was. And from that point on, I, I it just, I don't know, what, what was the realization? Whatever it was, it was just like a, and then just suddenly my whole, you know they say that change can happen in an instant. Mm -hmm. That happened in an instant. And from that point on, I was never as stressy. Like I used to get all, like you would probably be hard pressed to think that I was a really quiet, shy kind of person. Only spoke when spoken to. Um, got nervous speaking in front of groups. Would be sweating, um, and yeah, that used to be my world. But then something snapped, and I was like, "No more." And then I, I haven't been there ever since then. And, and it was a very sorry. distinct thing. So. What happened and how, because this is something that I'm sure many people would want to listen to and go, okay, I want to do that. And, you know, in NLP, you're saying part of, of uh, the coaching conversation is to say, right, tell me how you do this. And somebody talks you through the process of what they do. And normally they're telling you something negative that they do so that you can then change it into something positive. But here you've got the positive, right? Tell us, because we all want to know. How can we have that instant change? How can we reconnect what's well, going on in our brains? Well, that instant change, I don't know how that happened. That that was years ago. As I said, that's why I've been this way for, well, for a, for 30 some odd years. So, um, and I didn't have a, there was no coaches back then. It just, I had just got to a really stressed, stress, stress point, And then I just stopped 
in the middle of walking somewhere. And it's like, and that was the voice. It was like, no, no more. And then that was it. And I was done with that, that way of being, that mindset, that being completely, crazily, stupidly stressed about things. And so I don't know what that was. Um, I can tell you when I come across things that are stressful now, what I do is just remember that it doesn't, it's all going to come out in the wash. Um, and it is what it is. And, you know, so I can, and I guess the other phraseology is, you know, I could spend time worrying about this, but that's a waste of time because it doesn't change anything. Or I can look for an avenue through this, around this, above it, under it, or what have you. Um, almost like Captain Kirk, you know, there's always a way. Um, and so I don't, where some people spend a lot of time on the emotions like being angry or being worried or being stressed, um, I tend not to spend time in those places. So the conversation in my head is that that is, that I could do that, um, but it's not helpful. Um, it's a waste of my time and the sooner I'm through this and done with this, the better. And that it is, yeah, it is what it is. So just carry on, carry on, make coffee. Don't you got tea mugs like that? <laughs> carry on, make coffee. But that, I mean, that is the thought process that goes in into my head. So even, you know, I think I mentioned to you last week, um, you know, even in the army when we're doing really stressful things and some of my commanders and stuff would get, you know, they were visibly upset with me for not being stressed. Mm -hmm. It was like, but, you know, I'm getting the thing. It's not like I wasn't doing the job and doing the job very well. It's that I wasn't looking like I was stressed or running around and acting stressed or doing what other people was doing. So they had a hard time fathoming as you're looking at me now, <laughs> how can this be? How can you be in this situation with this kind of stuff going on um, and not be in this state? And I don't know how to explain it to them, just like I don't know how to explain it to you, <laughs> except that they hated it. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> so. But I think even just hearing you share that is interesting. And I think there are some actually really key points in there, which is, you know, actually you consciously interrupted your thoughts. You consciously interrupted where your mind was going. And you probably sort of practice that enough. So that became your kind of habitual go-to pattern interrupt. I would guess, um, just from what you shared. So, yeah, interesting. Good. Yeah, it's a fascinating thing. So comfort zones, how big are they? Uh, this idea about knowing where your limit is, where's your panic zone kind of space um, is. And I think it's an important point that um, Judith makes here, which is a, about this idea that it's a process of moving uh, that the process of moving from comfort zone to growth zone isn't always linear, that there can be peaks, troughs, and plateaus that complicate that journey from comfort zone to growth zone. 
Um, and as you said, sometimes we do need to retreat to the comfort zone periodically to muster up the strength to leave again. Um, and, uh, and, you know, I guess being able to tolerate or t uncertainty, because that's a lot of what stepping out of the comfort zone is, is there's that uncertainty, there's that unknown um, that you're stepping out into. And that's what causes the discomfort, because I don't know what's there or what's going to happen or what's going to be the result. Um, and if I think of this from a spiritual point of view, I don't know if you've um, done any of the uh, Carlos Castaneda's work um, and the Nagul, the unknown, um, and part of the uh, man of knowledge's um, job, I guess if we call it a job, is to constantly push the boundaries of the between the known and the unknown. And to go, and that's where you go to find your, to go find more personal power is by extending that, the line between the known and the unknown to keep pushing the comfort zone to, and coming out of it and going into the unknown, even if it means going into free fall. Um, and, but remembering, just as you just kind of say, you know, get NLP and do these, remember your tools when you go out into this hinterland and go into free fall that you have the, you know the necessary things to do to right yourself up if you're, you know, you're discombobulated and you're upside down, but you know how to right yourself. But sometimes you don't make it back. Um, I think it, they make that point in that whole sort of um, warrior shaman doctor thingy that mm. sometimes you, you don't come back because you, if, especially if you go in uh, without... The, without the necessary tools that you need to help you survive <laughs> uh, yes. when you go into that space. And I mean, I would say that I'm, I've been there. I'm sure I've been there where I haven't remembered my necessary tools. Um, and I have gone into to free fall and it is a very uh, dark, lonely, and certainly for me, a very depressing place to be. Um now, whether that I would translate into being frightened, I'm not sure, but I'm sure for some people it's frightening. For me, it just, it's like the pit of despair. Um, and I hope to never be there again. Um, the pit of despair. That's a nice existential term. I, do you know what? It's, yeah. It says so much. It really does. Yeah, the, but that's the, the one thing that you do, isn't it? You go to the pit of despair and that's where you have your enlightenment from. Exactly. So, but, and now they see that's really interesting. And you have to get all the way down into the pit of despair sometimes. And I noticed this. Without uh, falling over the edge and drowning uh, in the pit. <laughs> well, you know, yeah, exactly. But yeah. you couldn't, you couldn't just kind of hover and work it back from there. I had to go all the way down into the pit of despair. I couldn't just kind of pull myself back up. And this would happen time and time again. And eventually I, I looked back and realized, and it was like, my gosh, I always have to go all the way down before I then come all the way back up, at which point, and it's like bouncing, you know, kind of up and down and up and down. And mm. it's exhausting, absolutely exhausting, which is why one of my life's, uh, you'll give me the word in a minute, but, you know, is to find balance. But balance has to be, you know, I mean, I talk about it when I talk about stress management, we'll touch on this 
in the well-being episode next week, it's undulating, you know, kind of like the blood sugar should be undulating, not these massive spikes. And and yeah, yeah, that's where people get worn out is when they're constantly going from one extreme to another. So, yeah, yes. But I like those extremes, don't you? Yeah. I mean, you do. No, I mean, I do, they yeah. exhaust me. They absolutely exhaust me. It's like me. that middle. I mean, I know, you know, you go to sort of the middle ground, but it's it's. Yeah, it's a Billy Joel song, and he says in that song, I don't know why I always go to to the extremes, but, you know, you go into the bottom and you go to the top, but it was like that manic depressive, isn't it? <laughs> so I'm really high, I'm yeah. really low, there's no in-between. Bipolar, um, maybe I'm bipolar. Maybe, um, and that's know. not to make light of it. I have wondered no, no, that over the you. years. But Billy Joel song, um, mm. I'm trying to, which one you have to sing so that I can work it out. I'll find it when I, when we go. To do, do, do. Time. I love Billy Joel. Yeah. I saw him in concert once. Oh my gosh. That was amazing. Yeah. Here that must go. have this been about five years ago. Uh, moon sequences Mm-mm. or moon sequence, the herbalizers. I love that. And it's yeah. so not the kind of thing that I would normally listen to. So I don't know if it's because you say, this is your kind of thing. Cause it's moon like, um, <laughs> but I just like, yeah, there's such a good kind of beat to it. And it almost sounds like the, you know, the beating of the heart or the, um, I don't know. I just kind of imagine that there is this, yeah, it's it's almost like an ethereal but very grounded connection. Mm-hmm. And here's your other one, your Billy Joel one. I go to extremes, it's called. Of course. <laughs> it was easy to remember. <laughs> exactly. It does what it says on the tin. Yeah, it does. Brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love Billy why. Joel. I just absolutely love Billy Joel. Yeah, I, I just a, think, a big yeah. Fan of him too, yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah. I've got quite a number of his albums. And then one of his ones that has the most special impact or emotional impact in my life is when my parents split. And we drove, my mom just, she needed to escape from New Jersey. So she just packed us all up in the car, me, brothers, sisters, all the dogs. And we drove from New Jersey to Georgia. And I had this tape just playing almost on repeat, Glass Houses. And I listened to that almost all the way down to to Georgia a lot. <laughs> mm. And so, um Yeah. Power of music. Yeah, but yeah, then I've got all of, I got loads of this of Billy Joel. I was a big I was a big fan. Mm. Mm. Me too. And now I'm just thinking I he's been down to the bottom, hasn't he? He's been in this and all this all kinds of stuff. So yeah. yeah, yeah. Um so what was the other thing I want to say about this comfort zone business? So there's this uh, benefits, benefits, that's it, benefits of leaving uh, the comfort zone. Oh, before I get into that, I did. That was what I wanted to do. I wanted to do my commercial bit, which is, well, I want to shout out to uh, Dave Anderson. If you listened this far, I know he listened to last week's, had some comments on the uh, in the group on last week's episode. Um, but shout out to him for that. And then for everyone else in terms of uh, my commercial plug here. So we've got the 
um, Digital Calm on Mixcloud. So mixcloud.com at Digital Calm. So you can find us there. You got all the episodes of Digital Calm are there. So you can re-listen to the episodes or you listen to the music. Um, you can find me on Spotify if you like, because you can then find all all the all the Digital Calm playlists are public. So um, you're welcome to do a search for uh, Clay Lowenat Spot and so just search Digital Calm and whichever number, uh, and it should come up. Uh, and of course, we're on Twitter at Digital Calm. We got the Tumblr at uh, Tumblr dot Digital Calm blog. Um, what else do we got? We don't have a. We got a Facebook page. We don't use it, and um, we've kind of put a lot of stuff in the Wisdom Cafe. Although it's not Digital Calm, but we. I don't know. I, don't, I actually don't know why we put it all in, but we put it all in the cafe, so you can go there. Um. And did I miss out of the place? There's a YouTube channel. Mm, yeah, there's YouTube. a YouTube channel. I don't Digital think com. you did. I don't think you did. I, basically, people can find us kind of on most of the main social media sites. Oh, yeah, Instagram. You can find us on Instagram mm, as well. Digital that's your com. baby. Oh, it's our baby. But, yeah. Well, it is our baby, but yeah. <laughs> and now actually, it's our but, baby. But it's but a it's great mom example. This, this the neglects her, but that's okay. But it is it's, our baby. Yes. Okay. Neglected by because it was actually too much for me because I couldn't get my head around how am I going to keep up with Facebook, LinkedIn, and um, and Twitter. I kind of dabble in, but. It was kind of a Instagram. I just and because of course it's you know, I'm all about talk. I'm not so much about the visual. I was like, you know what? Something's got to give. And so, yeah, I, I let you. And you play do what all Instagram. boomers do, even though you're not a boomer. You opt for Facebook, even though the growth space is Instagram. Do you <laughs> know? That's, what, I, that's yeah. classic. Um, so that's classic sort of boomer-ish kind of thing is just stick with Facebook because it's the easiest, but ignoring where the attention is. And it's and it's the attention economy that we're after. So you go where the attention is. And but that's a whole other story. So don't But is don't that me there. staying in my comfort zone? Yeah, well, I'm sure it is. I I mean I know it is. And yeah. I'm but the thing is, you don't quite feel like it's your comfort zone because there's always new things coming on. So I think I did a live yeah. last week and okay, I've done a, you know, a handful of lives over the, the last couple of years. But you know, suddenly now we can do lives and everybody can do lives more easily. And then they'll introduce something else and they'll introduce something else. And you know, I'm connected to whatever it is, nearly a thousand people on Facebook. So you kind of go, oh, but but and you never know who's really watching and da 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 da. But yeah. I think that is a classic example of the comfort zone. Um, yeah, and, no, I would know, say that so. would be a classic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, classic example of the comfort zone um, in terms of. But uh, yeah, absolutely. And yeah, the disconnect between what you're trying to achieve and what you want to achieve, but staying in the comfort zone because it's comfortable um, <laughs> even though it might not necessarily get you to where you want to grow go this is hence why I'm making that journey from but then if you use the steps um, comfort zone fear zone but then you go into the learning zone and then once you get into the learning zone you acquire the skills that you need to do and then you 
are able to move into the growth zone and Which... live your dreams, set new goals, realize your aspirations and find purpose, which is in. Have you just read that off a web That's on her. That's on, that's on, uh, uh, Judith's diagram of the comfort zone. And so when we have the next break, would you yeah. post me the link to that? Cause I think I need to pop that in the show notes because I didn't find that in my little search earlier. Um, yeah. But it's interesting. And I think, you know, what you're saying about the comfort zone and, and you're absolutely right, the learning zone, the growth zone. I, I was thinking about this quite a lot. And in the last, you know, in the last kind of 12 to 18 months, I've actually been doing a lot of intense learning in a lot of areas. And that has almost confused me because so I've been learning about podcasting and I've been learning about different elements of social media um, and trying things out. Uh, as we know, I'm doing some consultancy work. So I've been doing a lot of learning and growth within that, getting to know new and different kinds of um, not delivery because it kind of melds with what I've done before, but uh, bringing my kind of my consultancy and training knowledge up to speed and there's just been so 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 many things and also actually learning how to be a parent as my teens have evolved into very much they need something different from me than they did um, certainly even a year ago actually and even six months ago there's been some huge changes and so all of this learning all at once is kind of quite challenging yeah, and I don't know that they, she meant it as in learning, as in as you just applied it, that you're learning lots of different things. I think this is, you know, take one of those things, for instance, social media. You had a comfort zone about that. Learn some skills to overcome that bit. Because she does make a point to say that, you know, you can't change – you know, you got lots of comfort zones and growth mm -hmm. zones going at any one time. So – when you're acquiring one set of skills, it might be time to put another, you know, leave something else in the comfort zone while you're working on a thing. So, and because you have these multiple zones going on at any one time, again, you have to, and this is where she makes the point of self-awareness. You need to have the self-awareness to know, and one, where you are, where you're married of, zones and comfort zones which ones to shift and when to shift them um and being able to to not cross the line into panic um, mm. and knowing where that line is so that you don't go into panic which then goes into extreme anxiety which then leads to shutdown and and on it goes um so it's a very complex moving kind of uh, thing that's going on, but then humans can be very moving and complex um, in terms of you know how we go about doing what it is that we do. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, there's benefits, comfort zone. Um, there's definitely benefits of comfort zone. Yes, absolutely. But yeah, it's, well, it's yeah, what do you again, have? it's that self. Yeah. Okay. Well, so I was going to say it's, but again, it's very much, you're right. It's that self-awareness. Where am I at? You know, and actually right now, what do I need? What can I, what can I experiment with um, in essentially a way that takes me out of my comfort zone enough so that I'm growing and developing, uh, but not so much that I fall off the cliff. 
I keep saying fall off the cliff. This series is quite interesting. Um, but yeah, so it's finding that. So yeah, so what have you got? Um, well, there's a few things. I'm sure there's many more things, but one of the four uh, that they point out here is, is self-actualization is one benefit of uh leaving the comfort zone because you can step into the space of your you know self-actualizing so as mr or maslow says what a person can be they must be uh, and so in that journey towards self-actualization stepping out of the comfort zone aids towards that uh, we talked about and hit on growth mindset uh, is another benefit for leaving and then this was an interesting one this resilience but not so much resilience for me, but the anti-fragility, which I'd never actually come across that term. But it's a term from Nassim Taleb um, that he calls it, um, you thrive and grow when you're exposed to volati volatility, randomness, disorder, and stresses. Um, and he called this this anti-fragile. Um, and I think what I liked about that term is that resilience has a connotation that you take a hit, but you bounce back, but you bounce back to the same level after the shock, which as the, uh, excuse me here, whereas the anti-fragility is that you reach new heights, you push past where you, you know, the low, where you were, bounce, hit the load and you bounce back further than where you were so you don't bounce back into place but you grow basically reach new heights which i thought was i thought that was interesting that you and conan the barbarian says that which does not kill me only makes me stronger yeah so that's what that reminded <laughs> me of <laughs> and the last thing which is one that um i'm a great believer in as well as this whole self-efficacy is that it how you say it efficacy uh, yeah efficacy and that's wholeheartedly into that um yeah tell yeah. us a bit more about that because well, that... it's this belief that you um are able to execute any actions in service of a goal that you're attending so you believe that you can do what it is that you want to do that you have the you know the necessary belief to do that which for me that the belief in it is everything for me so i might not know how to do something but i believe that i can learn it and therefore, um, it's I can conquer it if that's the right phrase. But I, I, I come from a belief that I can learn anything I want to learn. Um, it might take me a longer time to learn uh, some things versus other things, but I hold the belief that within my own power and grasp, which is probably why I don't do many courses and things like that, because I just go learn it myself as opposed to, have a teacher or or the like i yeah that's why i don't really go on courses and i always find myself bored when i go on courses but uh, yeah. i mean i think that is or some of that at least is down to the fact that you have done so much learning you have done so much reading you have done so much experimentation and experiential learning that actually you are uh, you know you might not be at the bleeding edge but you're certainly towards the leading edge, if you like, of, of the self-development curve. Well, I just, it all stems from just the love of 
knowledge. <laughs> but the whole independent, I've got a bunch of books behind me at uh, uh, the top shelf there about uh, independent scholars. Um, and yeah, that whole movement of, you know, yeah. don't waste time and stuff on courses and universities and things like that, you know. But you see, this comes back down to different people need different things. Yeah, no, okay, that's what I'm saying. So, so for me, because I hold this belief in the self-efficacy, mm-hmm. my that's that is a core driver for me that says I don't need any other person, body, thingy for it. If I want it, I just go do it mm. um, and learn how to do it. But that's just how I'm wired and driven um to do um but uh, but other people are driven and made up in different ways um so yeah so i think that comes back to the self-awareness piece as in you have to have the self-awareness to know how you're wired um and then go from there i agree i absolutely agree have we got another tune yeah why not uh simplicity soma sonic Oh, good stuff. And that Soma reminded me of um, A Brave New World. I don't know if you read that book. Aldous Huxley. No, yeah. I, I uh, haven't. I, do you know, good, I know so many titles of books or things, and I've never read them, never gone in. And I think we talked about this last week, I think, as well. It's really interesting. But yeah, yeah. it was a good book, that one. But they have that Soma as one of the things that keep everybody in this utopia feel. It's a drug, basically. Mm. Um, but that was an interesting premise of that book. Um, I don't know if we're going to do a show ever on utopias, but essentially uh, when they set up this utopian society, it was they looked at all the things that caused us stress and anxiety and messed us up basically psychologically, and they just took all those things away. So you get taken away from your parents at an early age, um, you know, you can have sex with whoever you want to, so no one's allowed to say no. You just can go around doing what you're doing. Um, you don't pick your jobs. You just get assigned, um, you know, different classification of um, your job. Um, and then you've got your SOMA, of course. And so everyone's in this complete harmony thing. Um, but then there are people like me. I'm like the main characters. Yeah, they asked too many questions. So mm-hmm. this guy just couldn't accept that life could be like this. <laughs> and I don't want to give any spoilers, but it was cool. They have a special place for people like me. Ah. Uh, it's really interesting. I was never drawn to it. And I think I, I can probably guess why. But the way you've just described it, I'm like, oh, that sounds a really interesting book now. But mm. at the time, I think that was probably so far outside of my comfort zone. Um, and and I, I tend to pick things up very easily. So actually, where you have got this resilience, actually, I would say, I tend to take things on um, and internalize them. And there is a part of me that kind of believes that everything is somehow related to me. Um, so I can read a book and I have to be very careful what I read before I go to sleep at night, which can be a lot of fun. I've done a lot of self-development that way, kind of consciously into my subconscious through the the night as I sleep. Um, but also sometimes I've I've been, you know, I've really disrupted myself and my mental health by 
reading things or watching things or listening to things that actually have been very disruptive. Mm. Very good. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. So what were you looking at at that point whilst I was explaining that? I was looking at um, uh, Yerkes's and Dodson's law of the comfort zone because where Judith draws circles, they just have the regular, um, uh, you know, the normalized graph thing. Uh, the what do you call that curve? What's that curve called? I don't know because I've not got it. So let me. Well, do you it. know, this is the standard one. It's the bell curve. Bell That's curve. Bell curve. Yeah. So they've drawn it out as a bell curve, which essentially you've got performance on the vertical axis, anxiety on the horizontal axis, low and high. Um, so where you've got low performance is you're in the boredom zone. Mm -hmm. um, and then optimally, believe it or not, you've got you know mid middling anxiety. So you're your optimum level where you have where you're at the midpoint of the anxiety scale and at the midpoint of the top of the bell curve is your optimal space. Then as you go to the right of that and start moving into high anxiety and low performance, then you've got your panic zone and performance decreases when you get into that zone. Um, okay. Yeah, so they have the, it's called Yerkes, and Dodson's Law. So I've got that on Wikipedia, but it doesn't have, although it has the graphs, it doesn't have it like that. But I have just found healthline.com. Yeah. Um, is that what you're looking at? Nah, come on. I'll okay. Send you the link Would you send me the link then, please? And can you also send me the link on Judith? Um, no, they're stuff? all the same link. It's all one picture. Right. Well, please, article. will you put that in the chat? Because yeah. I was trying to ask you to do that before, um, but please, would you send that to me? Because I can't find it on my googling yeah. whilst we're googling chatting. On my bit. googling, <laughs> my googling, googling. All right, so um, let's get ready to wrap this gig up then. Okay, well, there's there's kind of some things that I always wanted to. Uh, I always wanted to. That was sorry. That's uh, a slight slip. Always wanted to. So I was thinking about this and, and you know last week we talked about being versus becoming and actually it made me think that this is so linked with that because you need to be connected and comfortable with your being with your thoughts with your beliefs with your behavior to enjoy the ride of becoming so and then I kind of thought okay well, what do I mean by this and it was like well being is a bit like an anchor it doesn't weigh you down or it's not about weighing you down but it's about giving you a strength, a center and a focus. And then the more connected you are to your being, um, the further you can go, the further you can stretch or flex. And I started to think that's actually that that was where I'd got to in kind of my bigger my, my bigger picture, I suppose, when I was thinking about the comfort zone and actually it is, for, for me, it is, right, where am I? What am I being? And where is my becoming? And I can only become consciously when I feel connected or anchored, in this case, to, to my being. Sweet. 
Where's Thanks. this dead air coming from? What? <laughs> well, I'm I'm laughing because I'm not sure that you're actually listening to me, or maybe I've no, presented it in such a way that there's nothing to no, come back with. I thought you was just making a a statement about uh, uh, some realization that you've come to. It sounded which like which I to was, me. which yeah. I, I indeed I was. I there you go. Was. So it was out there. There it is. And that yeah. was good. Cool. Yeah. All right. So, do we think that's how do you leave the comfort zone? We've got to give people that, I think. That'd how do you leave the comfort yeah. zone? How do you get out of the comfort zone? How do well, you I, get out of the comfort zone? Okay, so generally I will start to become aware that I'm actually uncomfortable in the comfort zone. So, you know, kind of it normally is when I become aware that I feel a bit bored or I'm stagnating, or I don't really want to do what I've got to do, even though I have to do it every day um, or on a regular basis. And so then it depends really on, on where I'm at generally. Sometimes I kind of cast about a bit, uh, just kind of keeping my eyes open or my ears open or my senses open to see kind of what swings by. Um, and sometimes it's a more conscious sort of going out and about so for example philosophy which we've talked about a lot on this program um i you know i've wanted to study philosophy for a very long time we've had countless conversations about it and i've tried to read it for 40 episodes now well, exactly, exactly. You know, but it was, you know, I, I might reach out and try and read something. You talk to me about Socrates or Plato. Um, I pick up on Maimonides, but I still don't believe or I didn't believe, as it were, that I was a philosopher. Um, as we know, well, not as we know, but anybody who listened to the Wisdom Experience last year, you know, I I think I, I signed up to do an A-level in philosophy. And it wasn't that I was going to take the exams. It was just I wanted the experience of doing the reading and the learning and the writing, the essays, which would also hopefully give me critical thinking and critical analysis skills, which was something I also wanted to sharpen up. And I didn't prioritize it, but I tried it and it didn't happen and all of these kind of things. And then out of the blue, good old Facebook, funnily enough, popped up with an ad for the School of Philosophy and Economic Science. And it was literally, I didn't even think about it other than, is you know, is this available at a time that I can join in? And they did a Saturday morning class and I'd signed up within 10 minutes, um, you know, and that's really my process. I get uncomfortable in my comfort, I start to feel that I'm stagnant or I'm going backwards or I'm bored. And then I start to look around for, for what's next. And sometimes it's a very conscious decision. More often than not, it's kind of, it's, it's almost a, an unconscious awareness of, well, what's next, what's coming. And then I kind of just think about, okay, will this do it? Will that do it? Da, 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 da. Um, and then I eventually overnight go, boom, and I'll pick on something and then that's it. I'm off. There's no stopping me. Well, that's cool. Cause, um, well, there's a number of processes that you've just outlined and one of them, and this is one, I think I said earlier that change can happen in the instance. And I know we had a conversation a couple of episodes ago or the other one, when we were talking about coaching, um, and why I believe it's, you know, the, there's a, there's a fast approach and there's a long approach, because you've demonstrated to me 
the fast approach is once you've decided something, you don't have to, you don't need to talk to anybody. You don't have to think about it, just do it. Um, and so it's, you know, it's, and that just happens in an instant. You don't need anything else. You just, once you've got yourself to that mindset, then you go. And so when I talk about the fast way, it's getting to that point where actually you don't need anything because, you know, your brain has came to the point that says, yes, I'm doing this, and there's no decisions to be made, really. It's just do. Um, so there was that aspect. Um, and then, you know, again, as you say, you feel that uncomfortableness, things feel stagnant, and then, you know, you kind of look around and then you find some stuff, but then you find a thing and you kind of go and you just know you don't have to, you know, think or research or take time out or any of that um which is cool um i think and i was thinking about this i have i and i don't know if this is if comfort zone and routine are the same thing um because i know there's some things i just leave in the routine space so i don't have to give any energy to it and i don't care that they don't change because i don't want them to occupy uh, in the space in my brain because mm -hmm. I need it to read my books and things. <laughs> so anything that I can just put in there, um, yeah, yeah, I just leave it in there because uh, I don't care about that anyway because if it's going to take me away from my books and things and I don't want to, I don't want to be bothered. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's a bit like, isn't it? Like people like Steve Jobs or Simon Cowell, you know, they wear the same thing day after day after day. Yeah, you know, they have the bothered, yeah. black tops and black trousers because then there's no thought process going into that. They can exactly. just grab it. They feel, you know, I say they feel good. They, I don't know if they feel good. They just don't have to think about it. And you're absolutely right. That then, you know, is a whole ton of brain energy that can go where you direct it consciously. You don't have to get it tied up in these power sinks, as they're called. Um, but then, yeah, for me to get out of it, I'm one of these just, just, uh, just leap, and then see what happens after you've take that big uh, leap. So I don't really deliberate. I think too much about it. It's just take the leap and then see what happens. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I'm probably impulsive in that way. Um, I don't really, yeah, I'm probably borderline on a very impulsive in that kind of sense because it's like I right, will just go and think of, and deal with the consequences later, if whatever consequences that might come out of it. Um, and I do like, you know, this. Um, <sighs> There's something about doing things slightly different, seeing things in a kind of a different way as well. Um, for me, I like getting lots of different perspectives on things. Mm, and I do. don't generally hold a fixed view, so I'm quite fluid in my, uh, in my beliefs of things, I guess. It's not very solid. I like the... You know, I'll go and hang out on one side and hang on any, and I could argue the same. I could argue both sides of anything. I could, you know, be on one side or be on the other side because I just find that that the act of <laughs> of the arguing is fun. So, I, and I don't actually really care about the the thing like it, the stuff I say here. Yeah, you know, it's there, but you know, I'm not I'm not wedded to it. Um. Yeah, 
so I think those are probably my biggest things is, yeah, one, I'm just constantly looking for some something new and shiny, mm-hmm. which can have its downsides as well, because I am not a completer finisher. Um, you know, it's just like once I've my thing is this once I figure out how to do something and I'm bored, I'm already done with it. It's like, yeah, OK, I, I know how to do that now. Now, what's the next thing for me to learn how to do? As I look around my workshop of things that I had learned to master, <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah, all right, done that. I proved I can do it. Right, next, what's next? Um, now, you see, that's really interesting because, first of all, obviously, I'm pretty aware of that. But actually, I kind of used to be more like that more of that kind of impulsivity and as you said like you know I'd I'd go something and I'd learn it and I'd do it and then I'd be looking for the next thing used to be like that before kids um I would say and and you've seen this in me I now have a bit of almost a fight going on sometimes because I'm not I really is that just a female perspective do you think well I I don't don't know I I never let my kid I they changed to be fit me. I didn't change to fit them. Yeah. And do you know what? I always thought that my kids would do the same, but I think because of the way in which I truly entered parenthood, I think that has changed. Yeah, but changed. you don't think that's a, I'm just wondering if I'm, I'm just asking, is it a general thing? I, yeah. Do you feel that you have to accommodate and yeah. you know, be? I, I've had to be a different person than I would like to be sometimes for the kind of, I believe, for the greater good of my children, both individually and and together. Because I find Um, that kind of common with, you know, lots of women, I think they seem to, whether it's because, you know, men force them in that space because somebody's got to be the adult. Um, Or if it's just a natural, I mean, I can't, I'm not, that's why I'm asking you because you're... Mm -hmm. Well, I I, I think you and I approach parenting very differently. Um, and maybe that's a, yeah, a whole from conversation a from a philosophical point of view or from a male-female point of view? Uh, from a... Or both? Probably both. Um, but, I mean, this would be kind of interesting to, to maybe... Yeah, I don't suppose we could ever get Ruth and Nick to join us. Um, but I think... I mean, you know, for people who've listened to to us for a while know that when I had my first child, I was only 25 weeks pregnant and he wasn't expected to survive. But he has and he did. And he's a fabulous young man. Um, But it absolutely changed the way Nick and I approach parenting, because originally, absolutely, you know, this the baby was going to fit into our lives. I was going back to work six months later. That wasn't going to happen. Six months later, he was only just coming out of hospital. So. Actually, we had to adjust because otherwise it was going to severely affect his his being, never mind his development. And I guess so, and adjust is a huge kind of word there, um, which is a lot packed into it. I mean, mm. if, and maybe it's a different conversation for another time, mm. but I'm just thinking, think did so. you have to adjust your mind or did you have to become a different person or Both. did you mean you had to adjust your habit which is different as in so you know did you change your personality did I go from being an extrovert to an introvert because I had to because of my kid type thing is what I mean by personality or were you still are you still Naomi or are you some other person um and is you know is your kid made you another person or 
you're the so same person, hasn't, but you've but, changed your habits. Not that you change the person that you are, you just change your habits. That's what I'm, you know, when you say, yeah, I, yeah, no, so, so habits, no, not the person. No, the, I, no, the person changed. So I am, I think, a very different, well, a very different person, and I've had to find my way back. And that's why when we talk about identity and we talk about our behaviors, um, that's why sometimes, you know, over the years, I've been so adrift because I didn't know who I was anymore. Because to be the parent that I believed he and my other son needed me to be, I had to put, I had to prioritize them. Um, and I think that's been a constant duality and, and a fight. And I don't think I'm alone in that. I mean, I know my, my circumstances were quite unusual uh, and quite extreme, but actually, um, I, that's I think that's quite I, usual. And because and remember, I told you, I shared that story on here before about my, you know, my uh, little epiphany that I had on and when I was doing the Camino and that sort of pilgrimage. Um, where you know there could there was there was tension in the battle between being this and being that but then when when i let go of the external stuff internal then i didn't need the external stuff because I, I i guess because i had placed my identity outside of myself caused the tension when my identity was inside and that I could just be sat at this computer board and be happy, uh, just sitting in the room doing nothing. Um, that just changed everything because I didn't need external things to symbolize anything else for me. I could literally just sit in the room and everything would be cool. <laughs> I don't so, know. Anyway, that's another That's another. I, I think it's another episode, for, although for it does else, link. But, so I'm yeah. going to bring it back around because it does link because you're right. You place your identity when we place our identity outside ourselves, you know, be it as a parent or for any other reason, actually we are going outside of our comfort zone and it can enhance some people or well, it can set you adrift. I don't think, I don't well, think, no, I think two, it is. I, I think, think it they is. Equate to each other at all identity and comfort zones. But um, as I said, I think that's probably a different discussion Absolutely. I think that yeah. could be quite fun, um, but yeah. maybe we'll save it for a few months. Yeah. Uh, okay. So um, sort of wrap up then on, mm -hmm. the, uh, do you want another song and then come back and. Yes, let's do that. What have you and got? Then, um, then we'll do our sort of conclusions and then go. This is called Raid the Radio. I love that. I absolutely yeah. love that. That is a super song. That is a cool tune. All right. So give us the skinny wrap down what did you take away from comfort zone new insights new shifting perceptions from uh, our conversation well i've just taken away loads and loads and loads of things which is of no help to anybody so i'd never come across judith barbert before um i find i think that's really interesting but i have to say well kind of not just what I'm taking away, but what I'm going to look into more is actually the anti-fragility by, um, oh, sorry, brain's just gone blank, anti by N Nassim Nicholas. Yeah, um, and just superb. And when I actually looked at that on Amazon, it's tough times don't last, but tough people do. Yeah. 
Absolutely. And that is a really, yeah, that was really nice to see in black and white and actually has done a bit of a, a click in my brain. So thanks for sharing that. Why not? Absolutely. So, no, cool. No, that's good stuff. Um, for, for me, I think, um, I guess the big thing is always about, you know, well, one thing that I learned, for instance, the Judith thing is a new thing for me that I brought to here and, and mm-hmm. where that got, well, because, you know, you just a lot of phrases you have, isn't it? Comfort zone, we just say it. Exactly. <laughs> I it didn't realize sort of it stemmed from. from. Yeah. Yeah, same. So, you know, that was, you know, interesting. And anti-fragility is a, is a concept that um, I've not come across, uh, which I think is pretty cool thing to think about that you're kind of bouncing through to newer heights, really. Mm. Um, all the things that I think that I practice, um, but now having a phrase or a term for it, I think is is very uh, interesting in there. And I guess, yeah, comfort zones. And it's, you know, I was, because I hold like that whole sort of Castaneda stuff too and the Nagul and... God, um, and we'd the, even mentioned Carlos Castaneda. yeah. And, uh, you know, pushing the, the known between the boundaries of the known and the unknown. And in fact, that's rumored to be where the doors got their name from, uh, from, um, what's his oh. name? Uh, poet Blake. William Blake. Yeah. He's got a, a poem about, it's like this doors of perceptions and in between the doors of perceptions, um, there was that thing. What was it? How does it go? It goes something like, in, there's a known and the unknown, and in between are the doors of perception, um, hence the doors. Um, but I yes, that. I love that. Having doors. that, you know, always trying to push that boundary between the known and the unknown, mm. I think is pretty cool. But likewise, you know, it's quite easy to get into routines, it's quite mm-hmm. easy to get stuck. Um, I had a question, and I don't know. I mean, it's we're kind of going on a bit, but um, but now I'm trying to remember. I said, is it because what's a you know, if you're in a rut, is that deeper than being in a comfort zone? A rut, as in the I guess you can't yeah. get out of the rut. So a comfort yeah. zone could be, and thinking back to what you were saying, there's no anxiety technically in the comfort zone, but stuck in a rut. When you say that, it's you're stuck in a rut. So that to me is whilst it may not be anxiety, but it's deeper than a comfort zone, that's probably where I personally would be starting to get uncomfortable um, yeah. before falling what, into the pit of despair. the boredom comes in, isn't it? And then, yeah, I mean, I guess absolutely. how you say the boredom, so you're kind of in the rut and kind of want to move out. And and last thing I'll say, and this is, and we talked about this maybe in the wisdom experience, it, you know, one of the challenges or problems or reoccurring conversations that I have is that what do you do when you've done loads? I could go climb another mountain, but it's still another mountain, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, you know, jumped on airplanes, I've done this, I've done that. Blah, 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 blah. So it's like, you know, what do you do when you've done so much? Stuff? So I think that's another episode in itself as well. well I we don't did talk I, about it on in the wisdom experience. We can revisit we did, it. But um, I think so. Bearing in mind, we've done so many kind of things in between. Yeah. But yeah, no, I th- I think that's uh, and I, I I don't think that's comfort zone. Well, it is comfort zone. Actually, it's it's moving up to self actualization. Um, 
but it's quite i would say it's quite a specific part of of development yeah but does it make you go to do extreme stuff as in i've done all the things and now i'm just bored with the like it, it depends you know, let's explore climb, that yeah, you climb a mountain but hey you know it's still climb a mountain i need to i need to go into space next i guess or something like that mm. yeah anyway but that, <laughs> let's do that another time that was a thought um it's a good thought okay so i think that'll be it so folks again thanks for listening if you made it this far uh, be sure to like and share the work out be sure to comment be sure to sign up to the newsletter as well uh, you can also forward the newsletter to people if you are, are already signed up so you can forward it on to folks as well likewise uh, you can chat to us uh, in the facebook group uh, wisdom cafe thing or you can chat to us on twitter um, if you've got things that you want to discuss or talk about or hear us talk about or what have you mm. um, just drop us uh, a note and on that note it's time to ha eat an orange and watch you that sounds yeah. wrong what? what's, I've got to ask what's you because now people are going to think that you're going to sit and eat an orange and watch me and <laughs> you're definitely not going to be doing that so yeah. what's you because that's it's, a new one <laughs> Uh, it's uh, what season three is out now of you, which is about some. He's a uh, pretty much a um, psych psycho. Oh, great! Okay, <gasps> I've just remembered what it was I was going to share at the beginning as to what I've done this week. Watched? Oh, Lucifer? No, no. <laughs> I actually played on the Nintendo Switch. And I played Mario Olympics or nice something one. like that. And I thought, I must tell you, it is the first time <laughs> I have gamed in, I don't know how long, yeah. whatever. Um, and I came last every time. And But you've got to me. You've obviously got to me because nice. I came off it and I thought, you know what? If I did this for 10 minutes a night, every night for a week, I'd improve. And then I started yeah. to chuckle to myself because that's how much you've got to me. So go. I had to share that nice with one. you. I'm sorry <laughs> that I'd forgotten it because it was so, so key yeah. <laughs> to nice many one. things that we've talked about, at least personally, if not on air. So, <laughs> all right. so on that note, we'll see you all next week. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs>